there there must be things in our our DNA that prepare us for how to do this. You know, mm. we that so many people would respond in the same way and have the same experiences, and at the same time feel like this is the most unique experience yeah. that's ever happened. On today's episode, we are joined by Stephen Sexton, and as you're going to hear very soon, I definitely fangirl like crazy because yeah, you do a, bit. <laughs> a little bit I do. <laughs> Stephen is a writer and a poet, and his brand new book, um, "If All the World and Love Were Young," is out actually today. Um, today is a different day than you're hearing this, but it's out now, um, and it's an incredible collection of of um, of words, poetry, um, and language, and it is based around the world of Super Mario Brothers, mm. which is. A very surprising thing. If you've seen the cover of the book, you know that famous pixelated font, font yeah. that is burned into our memory from playing many, many hours of these games. Um, and Stephen uh, has explored grief and the loss of his mother, who she passed away in 2012. And in this collection, he 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 delves into that world and what and losing her um, and what life was like. Um, and it's 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 a very beautiful powerful collection um and it and and it was so wonderful to have him on with us mm. and i think what's lovely is that i don't think as he explains it was intentional yeah. that this was going to be basically a memoir in mm. one way to his mom and how he remembers her and mm. the connection between something simple like a childhood game mm. or a favorite toy so to speak as we all had yeah. And his mum were connected. Yeah. And like he said, he started off really to explore Super Mario Brothers in kind of a light way. Yeah. Um, not something that he, I don't think he, as he says, didn't anticipate that this was, that grief was going to come through. And it has. And I think for the people who are, who may go on to read this, there are some extremely powerful passages in it. Even one that Stephen reads at the very end of the episode where he talks about cancer in a poetic way that I've mm. never really heard before. And both of us, of course the tears I was looking over at you you were looking you know so he it's a it's a it's a beautiful episode it's going to a place we haven't gone yet really in terms of poetry talking about the use of language and loss so yeah here's Stephen now today's guest is the Antrim based poet and writer Stephen Sexton if you haven't heard his name before you are certainly going to hear it a lot in the future In recent days, his debut book, If All the World and Love Were Young, has been quoted as a new modern classic and a poetry debut fit to compare with Seamus Heaney. I have spent the last week reading through these and they are remarkable. It's a beautiful collection of work. Um, So congratulations. Sasha, that is really kind. Thank you so much for for having me here. It is a delight to to be here talking to you. I really appreciate it. I don't know what I I do with those those accolades, but they mean a lot. Um, It's it's extremely valuable and, and... you know, people have been so kind. I'm, I'm very grateful. Do they make you feel uncomfortable when you hear people like now that it's out in the world and it's there and, and people are getting the chance to sit with these? It, does it make you uncomfortable when you hear kind of? It doesn't make me uncomfortable. I mean, but, uh, you know, I find myself doing all these uh, defense mechanisms. You know, it's mm. like the book is being compared to Seamus Heaney's debut mm. book. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's which That's is big. which <laughs> is really big, which is really big. But, you know, I'm kind of excited that it's out. I mean, I've been working on it for such a long time. And I guess the nature of, of this kind of publishing means that things take a long time. Mm. So from something I started in about the summer of 2015, it's been it's been a good number of years, uh, so I'm really excited that it it now exists and other people can, and I hope will uh, will look at it. Mm-hmm. It must be something bittersweet though, because obviously your mum is such a huge part of it. When people talk to you about how much they enjoy it, is there part of you that feels 
sort of sad and a little bit sort of uneasy with other people's enjoyment of it, if that makes um, sense. It does make sense. Um, not not entirely. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm certainly aware of that. And, and one of the things that, that I most recently have found the, the difficult part is thinking as kind of a stray thought, you know, how am I going to explain this to you that I've written this book? And then I think, oh, wait, uh, I don't have to do that. Mm. And it's kind of this this really strange moment that even, you know, I guess when you're not thinking properly mm. or you or you catch yourself uh, wandering off, that thought comes in. Um, but also thinking about what other people who know her or you know know me are going to think about it, because I felt in order to write this the way I had to, I had to open myself up in a way that I'm not really used to. I mean, I had to be frank in a way that I wasn't really used to. So mm-hmm. it's uh, there's a lot of exposure involved. I was feel. Was it therapeutic? Was it a way of getting whatever was inside mm. out without sort of having to go in a chair and talk sure. to somebody in a quiet room? I don't think of it that way because I didn't set out to do this. I didn't set out to write this kind of book. I thought I was writing a book about Super Mario. I I <laughs> I, I, I thought it would be kind of fun to yeah. you know to sit down and write a book about Super Mario. And as I started doing that, I realized that I couldn't write about Super Mario without writing about my childhood and I couldn't think about my childhood without mm. thinking about my mother mm. and, and you know it took me by surprise that that's mm. what I was doing mm. I, I think on a subconscious level I knew what I was doing I thought I was trying to have a joke I thought I was trying to write about a video game so I'm as surprised as, as other people <laughs> might be that it's actually a book about, about grief and, and how to understand it and how even something that was an object of joy and unconnected mm. becomes changed, you know, in that mm. really big orbit that grief has. It, yeah. it somehow manages to change the past, um, which uh, which surprised me. So I think that's an impulse. One of the um, things I read about grief only in this last week that I think we read about it a lot. We talk about it a lot, obviously, because of the podcast. So there's a few things I haven't seen that really struck me. But one of the things was no matter how it affects you and it affects everyone differently, no matter what it changes you and that is the truth that is underneath it all is that it will change you no matter how it could be very different for everyone how that manifests itself but it will change you I guess I would love to just start and find out about who your mother was um, and her journey and just who she was to you yeah I mean, it, it's it's one of these things, and I guess maybe a consequence of grief too. And I was talking to to a friend of mine recently. Um, perhaps something that you guys know too. Um, my memory has gone funny. Yeah, you know, there's actually, there's it is, the, when I yeah. when I think about this, I think mm, uh, I think yeah. of months that are missing. I think yeah. of I think maybe as much as a year that's missing, where yeah. I just can't remember what yeah. was happening. I mean, one of the things that I guess is important to me is that you know, someone's life isn't dominated by how it might come to an end. You know, which is that's the the most emotionally potent bit perhaps but that's not fair to that mm-hmm. person you know um she was the person uh, who among many other things bought me and my brother a super nintendo sometime <laughs> in in you know 1996 or 1995 um you know she worked for a long time in the civil service she uh, was somebody who was responsible for i guess foster children and uh, negotiating those relationships i think with with parents um and you know i was quite young i mean i was 20 three I guess mm-hmm. when when she died but I you know one of the things that I feel is missing is I feel as though I didn't have many years of adult conversations you know I didn't get yeah. I didn't get to know her as an adult is um, that something that makes you feel sad because yeah, you that don't I miss it, you yeah. know and if there are things I need advice for I could have asked you know yeah um but it's strange you know you get to understand um decisions people have made or things they've they have done um in a totally different perspective, you know, from a child's pr- perspective to an adult's one. Um, I miss that. I miss mm. that that's, that's there, uh, not there. Um, but I suppose what I, I want to do with this is is 
praise is and, and preserve, you know, in mm. in a strange way. Um, the video game I spent a lot of my childhood in. So this book becomes a kind of mnemonic where I'm I'm trying to install her memory mm. into this <laughs> game so that when I go back to this game, it's th- she she's is always in it, there, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, by focusing on it with such intensity, mm. I'm trying to change the code of it mm. um, in some way. Do you ever think about her buying it? Because as a parent now, I think about how, how much joy there is when you buy your child something that's important to them or something that you hope will be important to mm. them. Like my, my daughter, we gave her a dollhouse a couple of weeks ago and it was the feeling that we had of getting ready to give it to her and having her see it. And a, a Nintendo was a really expensive um, thing to uh, yeah. give a child, and especially in the mm. time you're talking about, because that's probably around the new, time yeah. I got one too. And it was a big deal to get one. Have you ever mm. thought about what it felt like for her to go get it and to... I mean, I have a little bit. And, you know, it's strange there. I guess we were ta- maybe a moment ago we were talking about memory. I don't think it's possible that I could remember this, but I have a distinct memory of exactly what happened. You know, I remember her driving home on a Friday evening um, with uh, with this in, you know, with a big box in the back seat. I, I remember that. Mm. But I distrust my own memory. I can't... Re- I, I don't see how I could remember this so vividly. Mm. Um, but, you know, I know that her mother had died not long before that. So we, we had ended up going to you know she wanted to work my dad wanted to work so we were with a childminder you know after school during the summers and they had one of these that clearly we got obsessed with and I think in retrospect there was this you know her mother had died just a year before Mm -hmm. that and I imagine you know again I wish I could have asked her about what that was like you know Mm. um you know I in retrospect she clearly was still grieving that you know at at this time and I should say my, my grandmother uh, had been our childminder, our, our sort of oh, caregiver. Yeah. So when she died, we had to go to somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and I guess all this stuff was bound up. But you must have been grieving f- yeah. uh, for spending so much time, particularly with your grandmother. There must you have mean, been a huge amount of grief for you. Possibly. As well. But, I mean, I suppose that was 1995, so I was seven or mm. so. Yeah. So what I might have understood, I'm not sure. I guess it's more of a... It's a different process. Feeling. It is. Yeah. yeah, and it comes out, because I have a seven-year-old, it comes out very, very differently mm. to, I think how maybe an older child would process mm. it. When your mum got sick, how did that all manifest itself? Again, like some memories are absolutely distinct, you know. Mm. Um, I, I remembered vaguely, she'd said she was unwell and was going to the doctor. Uh, I got a phone call one uh, Monday afternoon, I think, um, you know, saying uh, it was my dad phoning me, which he didn't, doesn't often do. If, mm. um, my mother would phone me if there was something yeah. I need to know, um, saying um, you you should come home if you can come home, and mm. then sort of wouldn't say anything else. Mm. And I don't know, you, some, I don't know if you've ever felt like you have another sense, but somehow yes, I knew exactly yeah. I knew exactly what was wrong. Mm. I have no idea how I knew exactly what but was you wrong. You know before they said, it. yeah, gut. Yeah. I, I knew exactly what it was. Um, and you know, at that time, I think my impulse was to be extremely ruthlessly practical, um, and to say, well, you know, if there's going to be a treatment for for cancer, uh, that's a good thing, right? You know, that's mm. that that's positive. That's it's not. There's nothing we can do. Um, so that's what happened. There was uh, there was radiotherapy and chemotherapy, um, all the while me saying, I'm certain this, you know. These people know what they're doing. They, yeah. they know how to do this, um, and I think that was that was intense, and it was, um, you know, maybe it's there's the dignity of it that's that's it's a hard thing to think mm. about. You know, did you find it a sort of a limbo time because mm. you don't know what the outcome is going to be during the treatment? Mm. Did you find that sort of disconcerting because yeah. you don't know whether you're you're feeling I should be preparing myself here or whether 
I'm just going to be optimistic and mm. she's going to beat this. And You know, I was both of those things. Mm. I was I was optimistic when I was speaking to her. But at the time, I guess with these kind of illnesses, I was doing my grieving then. Um, you know, that's that's what happened. Like yeah. I, I went straight into that, um, which is in some ways unfair because the person's right there. Mm, and, know. you know, you know, how do you do this? Or, or I think you sometimes you start grieving without actually realizing. Oh, I think so. Yeah. The minute you hear the words cancer mm-hmm. that in the back of your head, you're going. You, you know your heart sinks and you start you go into that grieving process without even you don't acknowledge it it's only mm. afterwards you realize that i think so yeah um that yeah i just i didn't i didn't know how to register it mm. you know I, I wasn't sure i think i think you're entirely right i think mm-hmm. i was i was doing that at the time um but you know there there was some treatment she had to go in for surgery that was done that was that was scary um uh, but it was it was successful, I guess. And there was, you know, a period of, of remission after that that was that was wonderful. Um, we felt we, you know, got away with something extraordinary. Mm. Um, and then shortly after things, things changed again. But that was over a period all in all of probably four or five years. Mm. Um, again, I can't attest to how time was actually yeah. working. That it is it, been, the memory thing. Is yeah. I mean, I have I have like, dates, but they don't make blur. sense. No, you know? no, 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 no. I think and I, you know, there I've heard hopeful things about that memory that it, that they do come back once your brain starts to kind of recalibrate a little bit. But I agree. I mean, it's taken me a long time and I still think that things are very patchy, especially I find things are very patchy before my parents got sick, like long before they got sick is all muddled. And I can remember mm. the illness quite vividly mm. and their death. But I, before it, everything got really like, and I think it's mm. a response. When people are sick, though, for a long period of time, there's a stress yeah. that never leaves and you know it's it, it's it's like we talk a lot about grief and how that feels afterwards but in an illness there's a stress it's like your body is and your mind is you know that can be so hard for a long period of time how did you feel your body dealt with that That's a good question i do i do remember that tense that mm-hmm. tenseness mm-hmm. i mean at, at exactly this this time i mean i guess she she did die in 2012 i started doing a a master's degree in creative writing and poetry 2011 to 12 so during this time i was sort of psychologically elsewhere mm-hmm. you know I, I guess i actually felt kind of bodiless if that's a yeah. that's a thing yeah. you know, because part yeah, of my yeah. imagination mm-hmm. was was doing this you know work mm-hmm. that i really loved doing mm-hmm. the other kind was emotionally charged all the time yeah. and i, I don't really remember but self. It's like, like that know. thing like after the event when you go out with friends and you're all with your friends you're sitting mm. around but you're not really there. Mm. You're somewhere else. Absolutely. You know? And I felt that I had been somewhere else. Yeah. Or, you know, I was present but I was somewhere else too. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for a safe haven to express how you feel, share articles, photos, and memories of your loved ones, join the Grief Encounters Facebook group, a place for support, compassion, and empathy for those grieving. So writing started to play a role for you. What when? Like, I mean, I guess he, was this something that was part of you from a very young age, or is this something that sort of became? Certainly, at that that I realized um, I've realized only recently that that how crucial that that one year was in in my life. I mean, it was the first time I was feeling utterly creatively fulfilled, you know, with with this mm. and meeting a lot of people and and sharing all this time with like minded, enthusiastic, mm. careful, kind people. Um, but it was also the year that my life got split into two bits, you know, um, which is a f- fundamental experience. Mm. I remember being asked to write poems as a child at primary school. But I think that was busy work. I can't imagine what we were uh, supposed <laughs> yeah. to be doing. Yeah. You know, I was a teenager. And did you enjoy you know? it, though? Oh, I loved child, it. Yeah, no, yeah. I did. Other kids come, oh, yeah. you yeah. it, it was but kind of like a... ones that really enjoy yeah, it. It was yeah. like a puzzle. You know, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was setting, you know, make the words setting up rhymes, yeah. you know, um, which is fortunately something I've, I've moved away from. But it, there was this feeling of, yeah, mm-hmm. I, of puzzling and playing with language mm. and making this happen. Uh, then there were the difficult teenage years where mm. we have more feelings than skill or sense. Okay. Um, so, so well was, put. Yeah, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of verse during that period, um, yeah. but nothing serious. And hopefully, all of it uh, has been entirely destroyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it wasn't until I'm so I glad then, my son's not a poet. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't until I guess maybe yeah university when I was around more people who were doing this and mm. encouraged to do it that I started taking it very seriously. Did your mother have a relationship with language? Because you really are using it in incredible ways. You know, you have... I, I'm sorry, I'll be a bit gushy. Oh, yeah, no, I'll go back to the question. You. But did your mother have any relationship with language? You know, Was it anything that came from her at all? I don't think so. You yeah. know, we didn't have a lot of books in, in the house. You know, I remember there being a copy of Treasure Island that I refused to read <laughs> for some reason. I have no idea why, but uh, we didn't have a lot of books. Um, they, my parents didn't read a lot. My dad did a lot of crosswords. I, I wonder where it comes from. I mean, they, you know, they're from... I suppose the generation of people that left school at 14. I mean, I think my dad left mm. school at 14. I think my mother left school at 15, maybe. Yeah. Um, and you go and get a job, you know. Um, and I, I guess reading wasn't a tremendous part. They always read the newspapers. Yeah. Um, but the idea of fiction yeah. or poetry yeah. um, was certainly not, not a part of it that I can yeah. remember. I think words and grief and having the bravery to kind of go there... Mm. It's actually a really difficult thing to go there in, and, and put it down on paper or put it down and, and put it out there to the world. There is something in it. And yet it's interesting because the minute you do it, and especially if it's reached, if it reaches a large number of people, you get such a tremendous amount of response yeah. back. Everyone yeah. we've had on, on the podcast who's done anything like that has had a tremendous amount of response yeah. of people because I think we all need to talk about it. That's why we decided mm. to do this in the first place. How do you feel a bit kind of like, like you said, you didn't set out to write about grief. I didn't. You didn't set out yeah. to be asked to be on <laughs> this podcast. But you I'm delighted you that know, I am. those things like there's things it's, it's a it's a it's a sort of a like a. 
special place to be mm. and it also it's, it's a responsibility to it as well does it feel like something like by by exploring grief and doing something and not intentionally doing it is that kind of a strange place for you to be in it is and, and it, I find it kind of exciting I, I don't know how the language of this of this book works but I still hope that it was kind of exciting like mm. despite despite its its content being 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 unhappy and, and, and mm. full of grief I wanted it to be said in a way that was mm. you know that, that I might use I might use joy to describe mm. sadness which seems like a a no. kind of paradox I mean, we've, but we've said that in nearly mm. every episode you? Yeah. that you need to laugh and mm. there has to be some you know I think in nearly every conversation we've had there's been some sort of a, a laugh somewhere yes. along yeah. the line that, you know it's so hard you know. to define those laughs <laughs> but I know how important yeah, they are but yeah. it sort of is and I mean do you feel that that sort of will help people as well I mean have you looked at it from that point of view that your book could potentially help people who are in the same situation uh, you know that's a lovely thing to hope I hope I hope mm. it could I hope it could um, and it's interesting I mean I, I wrote a lot about about elegies um, yeah, and grief and how this works and there's so many things that that people do that people have been doing for thousands of years with this kind of writing and kind of by accident I mean like the idea of language is a tremendous mm. thing and you know the language we use to talk about the dead or to talk about death I mean one must not speak ill of the dead right but I mean that's a you know that's a code that is that is in our language you know that we're not supposed to do that um, I'm sure you know I remember reading um, I'm sure I'm sure you know of you know some tribes in various places who have particular relationships with language where you know, if a member of that tribe dies, no syllable in their name may be spoken again, mm. you know, and just like language and grieving and loss seems so intimately connected that in a huge way. It's a real thing to struggle with. My mother's anniversary was a couple of weeks ago and I, I every year I write something to help me. And sometimes I do something with it and sometimes I don't. And this year I wrote something about not about her being sick, not about her mm. dying, but something about us when we were very young. And I didn't send it anywhere for fear that someone might feel like I was stepping over a boundary by writing about her. And not mm. even in a negative way, but just writing about her without her permission. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> even though, it, you know, she was my mother and I and it's a sacred kind of relationship. And I would but I was and I was I was too afraid to kind of put it out any further because I was trying to protect her. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's such a complication in that yeah. kind of thing. I think that was a threshold that I, I really felt myself crossing mm. um, when I was writing this I was, you know she's not the sort of person who would have wanted this kind of thing mm. you know so I had to make a call thinking is this my experience am I doing this right am I doing this fairly am I am I being loyal mm. to it um, but I think that's like I think like realistic I know what you're saying about like maybe she wouldn't have wanted it but like she would have wanted you to be brave and she would have wanted yes. you to yeah. use this talent that is so incredible um, how you needed to do that it's it okay if I read one I of would, these would that be okay to, I'm going to give it a go just because we were talking about if it helps people and I will tell you now that I felt immediately upon reading this and this is what is so interesting about doing this kind of work is that it may not even be in any way about grief or loss but for me this but spoke, you do find sort of grief I found it everything I found now. it in for me <laughs> this is Choco Ghost House and now there's this pain in my side like a bird in the holly tree, like there was something on fire. Look how the rain clouds have lifted, like a bird in the holly tree, there one moment and gone the next. Look how the rain clouds have lifted. I'm thinking of a storm in Spain, there one moment and gone the next. I can't forget the lightning, though. I'm thinking of a storm in Spain and us on the wet balcony. I can't forget the lightning, though, forks flashing again and again, and us on the wet balcony playing card games with the damp deck forks flashing again and again. The huge trees came down around us, 
playing card games with the damp deck, power lines toppled like ship's masts. The tourists all ran in the streets like there was something on fire. Power lines toppled like ship's masts, and now there's this pain in my side. Like, I love it so much. It's going to stay with me forever. Um, I think the line, I can't forget the lightning, though. And it just it just floored me. Like, I just started crying. Like, oh. I just loved it. Are you able to, like, look at these now, kind of step back and be able to look at them in any kind of way? Or are they still so part of you? Again, kind of both. Yeah. Kind of both. I mean, there were, there were moments when I was writing these that, that were very, very hard. Mm. I mean, so, you know, I was defending, I, w- I was pretending and kind of defending myself a little bit. That's what the video game thing is helpful for, mm. you know, that... Is that well, like a front? Yeah. Front? It is, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the <laughs> yeah, video yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. yeah. Um, but there were times where I find myself saying things I, I didn't think I was mm. able to say, mm. which, which, was, which was surprising to me. Mm. And as soon as I felt myself doing that, I knew I had... I had to do it. Mm. Um, you know, I had to do it as much as I could. Mm. Um, I had to be frank about it, um, which is hard. I mean, yeah. that, that that maybe as you were describing, I mean, that's a memory of long mm. before, mm. long before anything. That's, it's that's like, being on I mean, holiday. It's like you I'm know. just back from Spain and I know those <laughs> yeah. you know, storms you get sometimes. And it's, the is always really slippy <laughs> as well. And it, you, I could just actually picture mm. where we would sit and, you know. Mm. Like looking um, yeah. Obviously with the book being out and being published, You've done quite a few interviews and things like the podcast. So your mum, I'm sure, has been brought up quite a lot. Yes. Which mightn't have happened for the last couple of years. Do you find Sally like talking about her again so much in such a short space of time? Does it make you feel like she's sort of back in your life a little bit? That she's there a little bit? A little bit. I mean, I guess my hope with, with this book was that I was mm. I was putting her somewhere that 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 will last you know mm-hmm. and if i want to go back there you know because i i, I came to distrust my memories you know I, yeah. I worried and i worry i worry about 10 years from now had i not written about it would i have lost more you know or 20 years would there be things that mm-hmm. i that would be gone mm-hmm. that i couldn't access again so I, I feel as though i'm trying to maintain you know to keep these things going um as far as that that presence goes i mean that that's one of the fundamental things i suppose in in this book that idea of you know the the happy memory, the ways in which one could kind of get lost in a in a in a fantasy or hopefulness, or the reality of saying, no, she's gone for good. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, there's there's my imagination, there's my memory, um, but there's the reality of of, mm-hmm. of being gone. So that tension's always happening here. Um, I mean the 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 title. Um, I don't know what, mm-hmm. the last time you've been reading uh, 16th century Renaissance <laughs> poems. Yeah. Um, but you know the, this 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 title comes from a, a a poem that is a rejection of idealism of of a, a rejection of a pastoral lovely landscape. You know that things change, people mm. people are lost. Mm. So I guess the thing that I struggled with um, in in the writing of it is how do I admit this? How do I move away from this? Mm. Um, you know, and not that the Super Nintendo should be switched off mm. metaphoric, mm. metaphorically well. and literally, but it felt necessary, you know, to, yeah. to be able to confront this. But I think we do all have that sort of, like we were talking at the start about people changing in different ways when they grieve or whatever. And we do, I think everybody, when they lose somebody very close to them, does develop some sort of, front or mm. some sort of it's almost like an alter ego 
in one way where they're sort of like, okay, I really have to go to this thing tonight. So I'm putting this Phoenicia out tonight <laughs> and we like this Phoenicia behind her and we'd be grand for two hours. And it, it is sort of like the Nintendo. It's like the Nintendo has to go out tonight, even though you yeah. don't want to. Sure. But, you know, you hide behind it and that's a way of getting around it. Yeah, I just like the idea of, of being seen hiding behind it. Yeah. Like that's the sort of, you want to you want to be the the public version, but yeah. you... But you you want yourself to be seen behind it, yeah. you know. Also, the starkness, you kind of, in reference to the title of the book, like, it sometimes helps me a lot to believe in, like, a real starkness of the whole thing, that it is. God, yeah. I, I actually find when people try to placate or soften it or change it or try to attempt to Annoying. say that it's a different <laughs> thing mm. than it is actually very hurtful mm. yeah. I think the starkness is actually for me much more useful she was very sick he was very they were mm. very sick they were in pain mm. they were not well mm. and now they're gone and I know and that's shit, and it's <laughs> and that, it it's very I think yeah. because I think a lot of times you hear that from people who have not lost because they do not want to believe that it is as stark and bleak yeah. as dark say, as it is yeah. because if they believed that then how would they go on the next day thinking I might but there is a black dark starkness to it all and that can be a weird thing to kind of just go, mm. it's, but empowering. I, I, you know, I feel the same way. Like I, I wanted, I, I think just acknowledging the fact of it. And mm. I mean, at, at the time, I, I, one of the things I, I don't feel guilty about it necessarily, but, you know, at, at the time when, you know, we knew the, the event was hours away or minutes away, like I remember thinking, be aware of this, like mm. think about this, like notice everything. Um, and I, you know, I've forgotten most of that, mm. but I remember thinking, you know, you're going to do this once. Mm. Many people are going to go through this. Yeah. Try to remember what this yeah. is like. You don't you know? remember. Yeah. I don't it, remember. It's just, yeah. You know, but I, I yeah. that, that that thought came into my mind at all. You know, I, I sort of worried. I was preparing mm. some kind mm. of artistic research even <laughs> yeah. at that time. But I was yeah. thinking like, but it's a service to the world to to like remember. It is actually. We've talked about like one of our guests talked about something very very difficult. He he talked about his brother's mouth being open when he passed, mm. Goodness, yeah. and like seeing that. And anyone who maybe has seen someone die knows that that happens. Mm. And it's a shock to a lot of people. Like, yeah. oh my god, this looks so different. Yeah. And I'm really afraid. Yeah. But he said it out loud. And I think things like being able to kind of remember those things. It is a service yeah. to other people. Stephen, I wanted to ask you, do you have any, when you can check your memories against, do you have people in your life that you can say, was it that it way? That you yeah. Do? yeah, I mean, I, my brother, you know, was there, but I guess we were both going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you both react differently? Did you both? I, th- I mean, I think so. I, I mean, it's not something that we talked about a great amount. I mean, mm-hmm. he's two years younger than me, but I kind of felt like it was my responsibility to be the, the business person. To assure him that everything was going to be yeah. all right, you know, to say that this is what happened, this is how we're going to yeah. do this. Mm-hmm. Um, the next three days will be hard, but this is how we do it, mm-hmm. you know. And and again, consoling myself by being practical. I mean, I knew and what I was doing at the time. Then at some stage, did you hold that sort of keep it together, and then at some point, did it just all come out? As I was saying earlier, I felt as though I'd done a lot of grieving to start with yeah. years before, mm-hmm. and I, I was I was felt. I mean, I felt relief. It's one of the mm-hmm. things that is a hard thing to, mm. to feel when she did die. I think about a year and a half after that, some evening I was sitting on the sofa and just, yeah, mm. lost something. But yeah. I don't know where that came from, but that yeah. I couldn't really have been responsible for where it was coming from. Yeah. But, I mean, it took a long time. There's a, you know, yeah. there's a delay. There's, yeah. there's no right way for it to happen. No. And memories, yeah. like you said about your brother, like even if you can check them off someone else, there is actually no real truth in either of them my sister and I had a really great conversation about this a couple of weeks ago um, 
because we have very different versions of really? what happened our lives mm. completely and we're, we're a year and a half apart so we're not even that much in an age difference between us but we have very different interpretations and actually we've only just recently come to a place where we're really open to hearing the other person's version mm. I think now that we're a little bit older we can say okay what did you think and, and not just shut it off and say that's not what happened this yeah. is how it happened <laughs> yeah. and kind of say oh really like is that how you saw it and how it's almost like a version of you in the mirror or a photograph it's like what is the real thing Thing that happened all you can go on is the the pieces that you can pull mm. together yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's personal yeah. as well mm. I mean it's a person it's your memory yeah. it's your childhood memory mm. I mm. think but I, th- I think it's such a like it's it's a physiological thing as well as like a, a psychological yeah. one like mm. a, there, there must be things in our, our DNA that prepare us for how to do this you know mm. we we respond in the that so many people would respond in the same way and have the same experiences um, and at the same time feel like this is the most unique experience yeah. that's ever happened, but also knowing at the same time that it's not, that it's mm-hmm. fundamentally the same yeah. as this, you know, the experience other people have yeah. had. No, it's, it's interesting you say that because you do, that's exactly, and you sort of, I think maybe, especially when you're a young person experiencing grief, um, it is something that you feel that you're on your own, <clears throat> excuse me, that you're on your own, but then with the podcast we have a Facebook mm. group and everything mm. and it's very interesting for me to see comments from sort of younger widows as well that mm. come out with the same mm. they have the same feelings it's like the second anniversary is much worse mm. so they, it's, it's, it and it's but it's really interesting to see and it, I, for me it's mm. it makes you realise that A you're not on your own um, you're not unique, which, you know, it's a hard <laughs> thing know, sometimes, but it's a hard <laughs> thing to accept. But, um, no, but it gives mm. a sense of community and a sense of belonging. Absolutely. I felt it was fairly unique. And but on the other hand, you know, I remembered a friend who whose mother had died when we were at school mm. and, and suddenly felt I'd understood her in a way mm. that I hadn't in the intervening years. Did you feel almost guilty? A little bit that I didn't know how do I why couldn't I have understood this Um, and I suddenly understood her in in so many ways I mean regrettably when friends have in recent years lost parents I felt I know how to do this and you know and and know what to say and could talk to them (laughs) and be kind of be frank with them in a way that I wouldn't ordinarily be frank with them Mm. Um, but that kind of community thing matters and you know I guess I was thinking um I don't know how many hundreds of millions uh, of copies of Super Mario um, have been sold since 1990. But there are all these people out there who either have lost their parents mm. um, or haven't yet. And I thought, well, what, how do you, how do we, uh, how do you offer them something? Mm-hmm. How do you say like there is, there is consolation, you know? Mm. I mean, I'm thinking of, of that friend, you know, who, who didn't have any of her friends to, yeah. to help with it because yeah. they just couldn't understand. Yeah. That has to um, be so isolating at that age when you're yeah. just like feeling like you're yeah. alone. Yeah. In I mean, the, yeah. I'm thinking 15, 16. Yeah. You know, I, th- I, like, I guess mm. old times of life are yeah. pretty difficult, but that's a difficult yeah. one. Do you feel almost a sense of duty that because you're now understanding to a certain degree what you're going through, that you now do, through your words, need to try and help other people who may have just gone through it or could be about to go through it. It's hard to, to know how to how to want to do that, but I want it to be available to them. Mm. I want it to be open to somebody. Mm. Uh, I don't know if a book like this could have helped me at the time, but mm. I, I would have tried, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and to talk about it frankly, to talk about it 
you know, kind of fantastically. Mm. Maybe one of the things that have that has come up is, I guess, these kinds of poems are often involve journeys, right? There's this idea of your your public self that goes into your private self for mm. that moment of of mourning, and then and then you come back again. Hopefully, mm. you come back. Um, and I mean, this this is a this is a journey. Mm. Um, there is this journey into this digital landscape mm. of all these kind of strange flowers and plants and creatures, um, and and then you come back mm. and. Ideally, what you come back with is the story, mm. and you do this. I mean, this is this is what you guys are doing, right? You've mm. you've gone somewhere and you've come back, and now you're telling people this is what I, this is what I got when I was there. Mm. Do, you wanna, do you want to do you want to yeah. talk about? It's a great, it? yeah. you know, like but that idea of yeah. a, of a journey, yeah. you know, um, of of an adventure is mm. is a is it's one way nice to think. Way to look at it. <laughs> Stephen, yeah. do you mind um, as we finish up? Can you read us? You uh, have your choosing something from the book. I would love to. Thank Let's you. See. Yoshi's Island 2 Pixels and bits, pixels and bits, their perpendicularity. One of the worlds I live in, as shallow as a pane of glass. The threshold of the window sets a frame around the holly tree, wild funguses slimy with dew and toxicity, the rubies of holly berries sing on the branches the robins hide among and the veins of ivy vines wind around the slumping trunk and boughs, slow berries in the blackthorn and the carcinogenic bracken. Groundsels loiter along the low-dashed wall the daisies loll about. One summer's day I'm summoned home to hear of cells which split and glitch so haphazardly someone is called to intervene with poisons drawn from strange and peregrine trees flourishing in distant kingdoms. We take the air in the garden, bitter with berries and mushrooms too toxic to eat, where the grass bows in an unexpected breeze. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks. The best of luck, Stephen. Thank you. With the book. I mean, I think it's something amazing that you have now. I think that is your project. Some people set up trusts, some people organize marathons, some people do painting exhibitions whatever it is or set up you know whatever it is they do you've written your book and I think that's a lovely way to remember your mum thank and, you um, thank you thank you